Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, Frank talked from some top political figures who spill their guts about the scope of codified corruption within Congress. It will explain a lot about how things work. This week on Full Measure, Scott Thuman is going to report from Israel on a danger that should probably be getting more attention. In the wake of the botched U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, a lot is changing in the Mideast, and not for the better when it comes to the U.S. and our allies. I think a lot of times we on the news kind of talk past people on many issues. I know I used to as a young journalist. Heck, when I was 20 years old, I didn't understand a lot of what I was trying to report about, particularly when it comes to international affairs. Well, one thing I try to do on full measure, a little older, a little wiser, is explain more and better, not talking over or past people as if they already know everything. I learned with experience, it's not that viewers are stupid or uneducated. They don't have time or they don't have the access to information to figure out what's going on, to do all the research, to get all the details, not to mention that today we don't know what to believe. Well, the status in the Mideast is important for so many reasons. And part of what's changing has to do with Islamic extremists who expressly wish to annihilate the U.S. and our ally Israel in the Mideast and how they're gaining influence and power. Radicals in Afghanistan, Iran, and Pakistan. Well, we'll break it down in our cover story this week and hopefully explain what's at stake. I'll also have a really interesting Follow the Money story reporting from Puerto Rico on the billions of U.S. tax dollars that we've spent to rebuild Puerto Rico's electric grid. Wouldn't you know it, the grid is now said to be, after all of that, on the verge of collapse. I'll speak with an executive from a private company, Luma, who's been hired by Puerto Rico in their effort to rebuild the system. What a job they have, and they're already taking a lot of criticism. But as for today's podcast, you're going to hear two of my interviews with political figures, members of Congress, who said out loud to me what a lot of us have known for a very long time. The political parties in Congress have formed and they operate what I call an extra-constitutional system through which they exert power and influence doing the bidding of the interests that pay them, often contrary to the interests of you and me and the general public. We seem to have a tinier and tinier voice of this system. It's outrageous. It means that members of Congress, for example, who want to serve in any sort of position where they can do something or be on an important committee or get a bill considered by their party leadership, They have to play this established money game. They have to agree to solicit funds for their party from the very companies and interests they're supposed to regulate on those committees. 
In exchange, you can imagine what they then do on those committees. They work on behalf of the companies and interests that gave them the money, not on behalf of the rest of us. It's been documented over the years that, for example, some members of Congress that serve on the Transportation Committee, well, that's a really good committee because they're guaranteed lots of donations from powerful transportation-related companies so they can win re-election, so their party gets money. The catch is they have to then do what those companies want. If they don't, the party may run somebody against you in the next primary. They certainly won't allow you to have any important positions in their structure in Congress, and they have all kinds of ways to retaliate against you if you're somebody like that. You get a position on the committee that used to oversee the pharmaceutical industry. Well, now you take a lot of money from the pharmaceutical industry and make sure that the hearings that are held don't go into certain areas that they don't want you to ask about. Or you do hold hearings on issues that they want you to talk about for competitive reasons or for their own business advantages. Anyway, it's all perfectly legal. Whether it should be is another matter. The first interview which aired on Full Measure in 2017 is with Congressman Ken Buck. Today we begin with an extraordinary interview with a sitting member of Congress. It will make you mad, but it's something you should hear. Republican Ken Buck is speaking out of school about the shocking transactional nature of Washington politics, about party elites, he says, live like kings and govern like bullies. And he's lifting the curtain on why he says nothing gets done in Congress, describing collusion between Democrats and Republicans to fleece taxpayers on behalf of special interests. The game here is not to take a tough vote. Nobody wants to take it. And Democrats, Republicans, there's a, a quiet conspiracy going on that if you don't make me take a tough vote, I won't make you take a tough vote. And, and a tough vote, says Congressman Ken Buck of Colorado, means anything that cuts spending or programs that benefit political and corporate interests. And the result is that the ability to cut federal programs or to uh, reduce spending in other ways uh, or to get our tax structure under control, simplify the tax structure, is, is very, very difficult. And, and uh, that results in higher spending. Nobody he says it's why Congress consistently spends wildly more money sure than it receives from taxpayers. $600 billion last year alone. Why the federal debt has been allowed to balloon to record levels. The U.S. owes about $20 trillion it doesn't have on hand. Is there an element of Democrats and Republicans may appear to disagree on some things in public and yet privately they agree because they cater sometimes to the same interests? Sure. I, I, think, I think Democrats and Republicans disagree on some social issues and make a big deal out of that. And they disagree on some, some other major uh, uh, issues. But for the most part, uh, there, are, there is agreement behind the scenes not to make waves and, and to get things uh, done quietly. Not, not, not good things but things that involve spending more money. If, if I scratch your back, you'll scratch my back. Is what you describe what some Americans might call the establishment? Absolutely. The, the establishment are uh, the, the Republican leadership and Democrat leadership getting along and pretending not to, but, but clearly getting along. A former federal prosecutor, Buck has been in Congress less than three years. He says his education from Washington, D.C. School of Hard Knocks began right after his election during his orientation trip to the Capitol. And that's when a lot of the rules were explained to us about the dues to the NRCC and uh, other requirements. He was 
stunned, he says, to find the NRCC, the National Republican Congressional Committee, just like its counterpart for Democrats, requires hefty party dues, especially if members hope to aspire to meaningful positions. Talk about a record $30.1 million right here in this room. Give yourselves a big round of applause. It's uh, mildly offensive to think that uh, to uh, serve on a committee in Congress, you need to pay a private political organization uh, dues, and, and that's, what, that's what they were asking for. Did you have any idea before you were elected that that was the case? I did not know that there were mandatory dues here, no. How did they tell you? Uh, well, it's not a big secret. <laughs> they, they have a big chart in, in uh, uh, the National Republican Congressional Committee offices, and you can see uh, everybody's name and, and the dues that they owe and, and how much they paid. What was going through your mind when you started to hear this news? Well, as, as freshmen, we have to raise $200,000, and that's a lot of money. You know, I just finished campaigning and, and raising money, and, and now I had to go back to donors and uh, ask them for money again. Buck reveals the unwritten rules and outlines his allegations in his book, Drain the Swamp, How Washington Corruption is Worse Than You Think. He says to meet fundraising quotas, members of Congress spend hour upon hour of public work time asking for money from the very interests they're supposed to oversee, ending up beholden to them instead of the public at large. For people who really have no idea how things work up here, can you tell us how the special interests and corporate interests, for example, actually influence members how does that happen it starts with committee assignments if you're on the transportation and infrastructure committee the uh, transportation bill will come before your committee and all over town there will be receptions and the members on on the transportation committee will be invited to those receptions expected to attend those receptions uh, and receive uh, donations as a result of that they know that the the easy money the low-hanging fruit is going to be at uh, receptions uh, that that are, that are given right before a major piece of legislation goes to committee. Uh, everything is called across the street because the Capitol behind me, uh, you can't accept money there and you can't give money there. But uh, once you walk across the street, then, uh, then the bags open up. Restaurants around here? Restaurants, the, uh, for the Republicans, the Capitol Hill Club uh, has a lot of different receptions and dinners. Industries paying for those receptions and dinners include tobacco, telecommunications, pharmaceutical, TV broadcasting, beer and wine, defense, and Hollywood. Democrats have their own fundraising hangout nearby, the National Democratic Club. I've attended receptions where I've had 10, 12 different uh, corporations represented and they have made their case to me on why they need me to vote a certain way on a piece of legislation. And I know that if I accommodate them, I will uh, have a reception later on where they will support me. You're describing an entire system where almost every consideration that ought to be for constituents is instead about special interests and corporate interests and donations. It, it surprised me when I got here, and, and I've been involved in politics since I was a teenager, um, and, and getting to this place is, is really shocking to see the influence that money has uh, in politics. Early on, Buck challenged GOP leadership regarding a vote he felt would give President Obama too much power on trade issues. Republican leaders retaliated by trying to oust him as president of his freshman class, but he went on a public offensive and survived. He says he's watched colleagues get punished for doing what they think is right instead of what party bosses demand, booted from committee positions, and even denied dining room privileges. 
the incentive structure right now is to vote for more money. You never vote for less money because someone's going to get mad if you vote for less money. And so as long as we, uh, as long as the American public doesn't stand up and demand that members of Congress are accountable, uh, Congress will continue acting the way it does. Do you think a lot of people come to Washington really hoping it will be different and planning to work for their constituents and just find out can't be done? I absolutely think most members come here with the best intentions. And I think within a year or two, they realize that uh, there is no hope of, of changing this place. And a lot of them leave fairly early on. Others become disillusioned and, and some others just settle into the swamp and, and enjoy it. I've not heard another sitting member of Congress talk about these things. What happens to you now because of this? You know, I didn't come here with any friends, Cheryl, and I'm not going to leave with any friends, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I didn't come here to make friends, and so if, I, if I'm if i gone in, in a couple years, I, I did what I came here to do, and that's hopefully uh, make Americans aware that, that this place is broken. We contacted leadership of both parties in both the House and the Senate to hear their thoughts on what Buck has to say, but they didn't respond. So that's the first interview for today's podcast. Explains a lot, doesn't it? After a short break, more outrage from another member of Congress. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're back. And here now is the second interview as promised. This one also aired on Full Measure in 2017. Just a couple of months ago, we profiled Congressman Jason Chaffetz, the Republican chairman of the powerful House Oversight Committee, which was poised to dig deep on wide-ranging investigations into government mischief. A few weeks later, Chaffetz abruptly resigned from Congress. We asked the oversight man what changed his mind. He told me it's more a matter of what hasn't changed. I started the interview asking him how he broke the news to his party leadership. I called uh, Speaker Ryan first, and when I talked to him, he wanted to try to talk me out of it, and I interrupted him, interrupted him, and I said, Paul, I'm not asking for permission. I'm telling you that Jason and Julie Chaffetz made this decision. I don't, I don't report to him. I didn't get hired by him. I got hired by the people in Utah. So did, was, he, did he treat you a little bit like you worked for him? Well, he was just, please don't do this. Let's talk about it. Let's get together. And I said, look, we've already decided it's just it just wasn't really his decision and i didn't need his input quite frankly i am tenacious and passionate about serving this country after eight and a half years on an upward trajectory in washington dc congressman jason chaffetz of utah has suddenly and quite unexpectedly pulled himself out of the game committee stands adjourned some people might think this is a great time to be a Republican chairman of an important committee because Republicans control the House, they're the majority in the Senate, and they hold the president's office. Yeah. That means you would think the federal agencies can't stonewall investigations of yeah. spending, waste, fraud, and abuse. 
The reality is, uh, sadly, I don't see much difference between the Trump administration and the Obama administration. I thought these floodgates would open up with all the documents we wanted from the Department of State, the Department of Justice, the Pentagon. In many ways, it's almost worse because we're getting nothing. Um, and that's terribly frustrating. And with all due respect, the Attorney General has not changed at all. I find him to be worse than what I saw with Loretta Lynch in terms of releasing documents and making things available. I, I, I just, that's my experience and that's not what I expected. What were some of the investigations that this committee was stalled on that you hoped could be picked up now that's not been able to happen in terms of documents not provided by federal agencies? Look, we have everything from the Hillary Clinton email investigation, which is really one of the critical things. There was the investigation into the IRS, and one that was more than seven years old is Fast and Furious. I mean, we have been in court trying to pry those documents out of the Department of Justice, and still to this day, they will not give us those documents. And at the State Department, nothing. Stone cold sides. To what do you attribute that? I think if, if we went to the senior most people, even the president himself, they would be pulling their hair out and they would hate to hear that. But within the bowels of the organization, they just seem to circle the wagons and think, oh, we, just, we can just wait you out. We can just wait you out. Well, they, they do. They do. Republicans were very upset in the last few years over the IRS Commissioner John Koskinen, mm -hmm. who they said allowed destruction of documents and yeah. investigations and other things. This committee, I believe, even called for him to be impeached. Yeah. He's still IRS commissioner, even though Republicans are now in charge of pretty much everything. Why is that? No, yeah, look, you had more than 50 Republicans pleading with President Trump to release him, uh, to let him go, fire him, uh, or at least encourage him to, to retire. No, nope, he's still there. No changes. Nobody was fired. Nobody was prosecuted. Nobody was held accountable. We tried to issue subpoenas. We tried to hold people in contempt. And the Obama administration said no. And the Trump administration came in and did Zero. Nothing. Nothing changed. Do Republican leaders have an appetite to do the kind of oversight that needs no. to be done? No. No. I mean, the reality is there aren't very many people that want to play uh, offense. There aren't many people who say, look, we have a duty and an obligation to fulfill the oversight responsibility that was put in place at the very founding of our country. Just the way you describe it, it's, it's troubling. Is Congress broken? Congress doesn't stand up for itself. I think it's, it's really lost its way. They say, oh, we'll use the power of the purse. That doesn't work. First of all, they never do cut funding. Even getting people to come up and testify before Congress, the Obama administration, at the end of their term, they got so brazen, they stopped sending people up. They just didn't care. And there was no way to enforce that. And until that changes, uh, the, the legislative branch is going to get weaker and weaker. On Full Measure, we recently exposed the little-known party system on Capitol Hill where Democrats and Republicans are pressed to fundraise for their respective parties to pay six- and seven-figure dues, often soliciting donations on public time from the very special interests they're supposed to regulate. Does this mean immediately you have to stop trying to raise money? Oh, I love that part of it. Party dues, campaign uh, funds. Yeah. Look, as a position as a chairman of a committee, plus what I have to do with my own campaign, I have to raise about a million dollars a year. Maximum individual contribution is uh, $2,700. It's a that, lot of phone calls. It's a lot of phone calls and a lot of travel. You're putting in literally 16-hour days. And then it's the weekend, and guess what you got to do? Get on a plane and fly to North Carolina or Texas or California or New York 
and go raise and beg for money. And that consumes the weekend. And next thing you know, you got to be back as a chairman. I got to be back Sunday night. And, and then you've been at home for maybe five or six hours. Most people probably don't know that you never bought or rented an apartment here. No, no. So you sleep on a cot in your office. No, I really do. Telling. And I do that to save money for our family. And like we get paid a very handsome salary, but it's not nearly enough to have a place in Utah and then in Washington, D.C., one of the most expensive cities in the world. It's just, I can't do both. I move these out. Okay. I spread these out like this. And then um, in here, I have my cot. So I have to cut. I literally just like I roll it out like this and like this, and then I throw the mattresses on the top, and I can watch TV while I fall asleep at night. A flat screen. Um, but it's not the most comfortable wood. I got this at Walmart. It's more like a fake plastic, and it's not. If you see, it's not really flat, but. Okay. That's what you get for 50 bucks. Very good. And then, this is what I usually eat for breakfast. And then, there's not much in the fridge, but water and almonds. Popcorn. Water, popcorn, and almonds. That's all you really need. <laughs> I'm looking at the next year and a half thinking, I'm going to spend two to three hundred nights away from my wife. We, we've been married 26 years. I love the work, but I, I truly just honestly happen to love my my wife and kids more. You're painting a pretty bleak picture. Yeah. It starts to look like maybe that weighed in somewhat on your decision to leave. Look, first and foremost, it really is a family decision. I, I love being engaged in the fight, but yeah, there, there does, after nine, you know, eight and a half, nine years, get to be a, a degree of frustration that, hey, when are we gonna get serious about changing these things? Because the American people, when I first started, they had Democrats who had the House and Senate and the presidency. And that whole pendulum swung. But I'm telling you, in the first five, six months, I don't see any changes. And that's, that's very frustrating. You come to that point and say, all right, it's, it's time for a change. As for what's next, Chapin said he's not ready to talk about it. He leaves Congress June 30th. And so with that, I think you might say you knew something was wrong and you realized that the people's voices are too often not being heard in Washington, D.C., but maybe you didn't know all the details about why exactly that is. Share this with your friends if they're also wondering how Washington, D.C. is so broken and how things really work, because if there's a chance to fix it and make sure the government goes back to one day understanding that it works for the people, it doesn't lord over the people, if there's a chance to fix that, it only comes if we understand what's gone wrong. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast, wherever you like to listen. Leave a great review if you like the podcast and share it with your friends. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.